Welcome back to the Try Again Pod. We are here weekly to give you our takes on all things Minnesota sports. Take a listen to what we have to say, and right or wrong, you know we'll always try again. And here we go from Florida with the Vikings at the Buccaneers. After a scoreless first quarter, the Vikings got on the board with a one-yard run from Dalvin Cook. The point after was missed by Dan Bailey, and once again, the kicking game had a big effect on the outcome of the game. The Vikings defense held the Buccaneers to a 3-0, and and the offense got right back to work, setting up a short 36-yard field goal for Dan Bailey, which he missed. Tampa struck quick after that missed field goal with a 48-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady to Scotty Miller to make the score 7-6. The Vikings offense answers back with a nice 8-play drive that sets up another 54-yard field goal from Dan Bailey, which was missed once again wide right. The Buccaneers offense took advantage of the miss and field position and scored on a Ronald Jones one-yard run to make the score 14-6. After a quick three and out, the Bucs took over with 21 seconds left in the half and got a pass interference penalty in the end zone and got an 18-yard field goal to make the score 17-6 going into halftime. The Buccaneers opened up the second half with a nine-play 75-yard drive, which ended in a Rob Gronkowski touchdown, but a failed point after for them made the game 23 6. The Vikings offense responded with a 15-play, 75-yard drive of their own with a 14-yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins to Irv Smith Jr. The two-point attempt was good from Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson to make the score 23-14. The Vikings missed yet another field goal from 46 yards out to keep the score at 23-14 Tampa. The Buccaneers added a field goal late in the fourth quarter to wrap up the scoring and the game with a 26-14 win. It was a very frustrating game for Vikings fans. But, fellas, what do you think? Well, I think it was opposite of last week. We had a fast start, looked good on several drives. But then I think our offensive line started showing their true colors. Um, Things kind of got out of hand that way. We could still run the ball. Um, Kirk Cousins also looked good running the football again. It's kind of something new this year is he sees a read, maybe two, and then he'll take off and, and be an effective runner. Um, and then, like you said, tough, bad kicking and uh, penalties like that, a bonehead one in there too, that's, uh, that's a tough recipe to, to win games and be in the playoffs. Yeah, and you, if you kind of look at the box score or the stats without looking like actually at the final score, you see time of possession, Vikings had the ball for 39 minutes, Buccaneers had it for 21. We had 27 first downs, they had 17. We were four for five on fourth downs. We had 76 plays, they only had 49. Uh, and it's just you're like what what's wrong? And then you look at Dan Bailey, and it's just like, why can't we have a kicker that can make just eighty percent of his kicks or something like that? And it's just I tried everything this game. I crossed my fingers, I crossed my toes. I went outside, <laughs> told my wife to come get me when it's over, and I laid on my back and just looked at the ceiling. I tried everything, guys, and it just didn't work out. Well, to your point, from I don't know if it was last week or our first week, but. Would you waste the first-round pick on a great kicker? And I know you said Justin Tucker, but any kicker, honestly. And after today, shit, I'm thinking I would waste the next couple of years in a row first-round picks because, are you kidding me? We can't make extra points for one. We can't make close field goals. We can't make long field goals. We can't make field goals from a left hash, right hash, down the middle. We can't make anything. And that absolutely changes how you call the game because now we're not even kicking extra points at this point. How sad is that? in the NFL because the two point conversion that we made gave us no advantage. 
it made us go down nine. Now, if that would have be if that would have made it go down eight or down seven to get it a one score game, you get it. But we did something today that was crazy. You don't go for two just to make it a, a nine point game. So the fact that we couldn't even kick an extra point tells you exactly where we're at in the kicking game. And Mike Zimmer's comments after the game was, you know, actually I thought Zimmer was going to just rip him a new one because Zimmer doesn't really care about people's feelings. And he did say that he doesn't care about feelings, but he did actually compliment Bailey as being a good person and a likable guy. And then he said that, you know, this is a business though, and you got to perform. And obviously he did not perform today. And I just kind of going on a rant here, but it just, it just makes me mad that we can't even make a field goal. We can't even rely on that, but yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And, I think I said it earlier, like when he was with the Cowboys, he's top five percentage wise and field goals and he puts a purple Jersey on and he just sucks. But like, can we get rid of him? Like who do you bring in this late in the season? To try to make a playoff push. Like I know we have a guy on our practice squad, but like. And with COVID restrictions too, you know, hopefully he tests negative or how long is that process going to take one day, two days. And then he has to get ready to be able to kick be with the team. But yeah, like you were saying about Dan Bailey, we were ecstatic, ecstatic to get him. You know, he was a top five percentage guy or in the, in his career, even almost, you know, and, and then he just, yeah, like you said, throws on our Jersey and nobody can kick apparently or in big moments. We've had that for, since we were young, you know, all the way till now. So it's been a, it's been a headache for our whole Vikings fandom career. Yeah. And part of that is like, I know we need to make field goals, but our offense just, they kept stalling out every time we got to the 30 or the 20 and they just kept stalling out. And I think I, the bucks kind of have a blueprint of what teams are going to do is just bracket coverage. Um, Jefferson and Adam Thielen, like they had corner playing over top safety underneath, then vice versa, just the whole game. And they're like, can your third option beat us? And that's why you saw Tyler. I'm not Gronk Conklin have six targets and Irv Smith have a decent. How about, how about CJ Ham on that? Two drives oh. in a row, probably had five, five receptions or five at least. He needed an oxygen tank. Targets to him, where you're right, they're taking our best players away and they're making other guys beat them. But at the same point, I don't think for the first first couple quarters, at least first half, they weren't stopping us at all. Like you said, we were stopping ourselves. But one thing I noticed, we'd get down inside the thirty yard line, and all of a sudden we'd have Kirk under center with five receivers, nobody in the backfield. Like, that's not our blueprint. That's not how the Vikings can be a good team. We need to keep Delvin Cook in there. We need to keep pounding the rock until they stop us. I thought we had a great game plan going in. Like Dill said, it was a first or it was a fast start compared to other times where we're just, we're starting slow. And if we would have had a slow start against the Buccaneers, they would have absolutely killed us. But we had a fast start. We were prepared. And I thought we had to keep doing that throughout. And just to your point, like, all of a sudden, Kirk's under center and there's five receivers out. Like, do they know we can just do shotgun and you're already where you're supposed to be and you want to do a three-step drop? Like, why are we under center with five wide? That's not something like the Vikings do. So I just don't understand what we're doing, why we're doing it. You know, I'm. some people say, you know, we run the ball too much on first and second down or we're too predictable. But when you have the best player or one of the best players in the NFL as the running back, I think you feed him until he literally can't get anything anymore and there wasn't a point in this game where he was getting stuffed on first down second down we were making hay we were getting yards and I, I was just confused as to why you know in those situations we stopped doing that well let's take a bright point though I mean what we did see out of Irv Smith when he has been banged up but you see what he could do today when he has um, some flexibility there I mean there's another option there that that might be here for the next five to, to seven years you know kind of take over Kyle Rudolph and he might be out the door and you can kind of move forward with this young more athletic tight end version and 
Um, so there is bright points, of, you know, of, of a crappy game like this or when we get all excited. We get to see other people shine a little bit. Um, but that's the tough part is, you know, we got away from what we're, what we're best at is running the football, and we made our guys pass block too much. And uh, we saw we had fourth and uh, what were fourth and twenty seven or fourth and goal from the twenty seven or whatever. I mean that's can't have things like that. So yeah, first and goal from the nine. The reason we were back there is because we were dropping back and passing. Right, best yep. player in the league, I think. You know, one of them. Give him the ball. Like give your best players the ball, especially on the road. You got to rely on those guys. Right. I thought we were getting too fancy and things like that today, but I just want to bring up a few points. See what you guys think about this. I said it at the top of you know, the intro of the Vikings game, I didn't think there was – and this may be just me being a, a sad Vikings fan, kind of bitching a little bit, but I thought for sure, especially in that first half, there wasn't anything called for us. And I'm not saying we deserve any calls, and that's not how things work, but I thought things were definitely one-sided towards the Bucks in this game. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that, though, were, or what would you see? Yeah, I just – I think I saw a stat on Twitter. Like, there hasn't been a P.I. called on a Hail Mary since, like, 2016 or something. And that's just like that doesn't happen. Like refs usually let that crap go, and that was just a classic call. And then Harrison hits McCoy in the head, which probably a penalty if you slow it down for sure. But if you slow a lot of plays down, there's going to be head to head. And then Kirk Cousin absolutely gets high load with that elbow to the face mask and doesn't get a call. But if Tom Brady gets a fingernail to his ear hole, maybe he gets 15 yards on us. But yeah, classic of whatever a couple weeks ago when Kirk Cousins got head-to-head and there was no penalty thrown. But then later in that week, that guy that had that play got fined $50,000 or something like that. It's absolutely classic where I'm waiting for this week for something to happen where they hit to the helmet to Kirk Cousins, find somebody, but it wasn't good enough to be a flag on the field. We're just not a good enough team to overcome, overcome that. And that defensive pass interference in the end zone on Mike Evans, when he fell down, he literally slipped on his two feet. And, that would, and we picked it off at the goal line. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yep. That was incredible. That was unbelievable. The, I mean, the way another another guy should have came in and, and taken that away. I just thought there were so many things that just absolutely hurt us. We made plays mm-hmm. on third downs. And your point on on Harry's helmet to helmet, yeah, that might that might be ticky tack, but that's that's a thing. And that I, I thought, you know, shout out to Chandler and Fish here. I think that that was something that could have been avoided. And I think that although it's hard and it's very there might be times when receivers going across the middle where you really can't avoid it. And I completely agree with that, but there's a reason why there's one person getting flagged each week. And that's Harrison Smith. I think he's the best player on our team. Maybe besides Delvin cook, best player on our defense, but at some point it's going to get continued to call. So you got to change something. No, that's exactly right. Um, Well, another bright spot. I'm going to be the, be the bright person. uh, Everyone else says I'm so negative. I think uh, Zim's starting to trust our D-backs a little more. We're starting to get a little more pressure. I think that's part of it. And he's trying to put them out, you know, on their own a little bit more slowly. And, um, yeah, it's week, what, 14? So we should be able to start trusting some of those guys. So I thought that was – that's another bright spot, too, of the game, that we are young in the secondary, and we do have young, explosive players on both sides of the ball. So it's an exciting future for the Vikings still, too. Yes, and I'm going to piggyback off of your excitement because you got me on the positive note and you got me going here. I mean, a lot of bad things happened, but when you break down this game, like you said, and Taylor's saying we had all these stats, time possession, plays, D-backs getting trusted, Irv Smith played well, Dalvin Cook played well. I thought Kirk played pretty well for the most part. After they went up 23-6, to you know, I'm sure everyone's thinking that it's over. You know, 23-6 to be a tough comeback in 
in Tampa Bay. I know Dylan said it was over, but instantly the next drive after being down 23 to six, we drive the whole field. We get a touchdown two point conversion to make it 23 to 14 and being down by nine points at the end of the third quarter, isn't really a huge deal. I mean, it's, it's more than two possessions. I get it, but being down nine, when things weren't going well, I think week after week we get down and we're calm or poised. We got good, confident players that we're always going to be in the game till the end. And even though all these things are going wrong, everyone knows we had a shot with about eight minutes left and we had the ball. We had a shot to still be in this game and go win this game. So I think that's important for us down the stretch here as we get going to the push to the playoffs. And yeah, just going into those playoffs, we're, we're running out of games here to make up ground. I know we're, we're one game back right now, the Arizona Cardinals and, we have the Bears, Saints, Lions left, and I already just know how it's going to go down. We're going to beat the Bears. We're going to be tied with the Cardinals, and then we play the Saints on Christmas at 3.30, and they're just going to break my heart. I just have that <laughs> feeling right now they're going to ruin my Christmas, and I just hope it doesn't happen. But the Saints haven't been playing that well. We were saying earlier um, the the Hill deal was a, was a fun little spruce into their offense. Sean Payton thought it was going to work. I just – I don't know how it's going to work out, and I think they need Drew Brees back. And I don't know exactly if he's supposed to be back within the next next couple of weeks here, but I think they better hope so for their own uh, fate too. So, um, yeah, I just don't think Taysom Hill's maybe the guy. So, in our hope, I hope he's still uh, suiting up and, and starting quarterback for, um, for the Saints. For sure. And the Cardinals have Eagles, 49ers, Rams. So, they don't have cakewalks at all, especially with uh, – uh, Jalen Hurts having a good game for the Eagles, taking down the Saints. So hopefully things bounce our way. We can maybe win out or maybe get an 8-8 eight and eight and just have some playoff football. Yeah, well, I think we're definitely good enough to compete in the playoffs this year. Um, I think we're well-rounded enough where we could scare some teams being that being that sixth seed or whatnot. So I think – I'm not, and like you said last week, I think, Tay, I'm not scared of anybody. You know, I think we can honestly play with anybody. Our offense is definitely good enough, and our defense has very good moments and then some suspect moments, but that's going to happen, especially with how young we are and missing an Eric Kendricks like right in the middle and kind of your captain of your defense too with Harry. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out, but there's definitely potential there and some excitement yet. So Vikings fans, I don't think we should uh, totally be down on ourselves. We have a chance here, and so we should be happy with that and run with it yet. Yes, like we said, Guys, we got three games left. Right now we're sitting at six and seven. We'll see how the rest of the uh, regular season goes, but I still like where we're sitting. I think we, like I said, we can do some things. So going to be exciting time down the stretch. And that leads us into our bold predictions. All right, so last week we had some bold predictions. Um, you know, the ones that we had can't all come to fruition yet. Mine was a, a long season one for Mr. Ricky Rubio. Um, Taylor's was to win a playoff game. And Dylan? Mine was uh, Matt Stafford was not going to be a Lion next year. Not going to be a Lion. Yeah, so we got three predictions there that we'll check back on at some point. But this week, guys, and we're going to keep – we'll write these down as they come through. We'll uh, keep our win percentage here. But how about our bold predictions for this week? All right. I will start off with the the news of the Gophers playing the Badgers on Saturday, last game of the year. And I'm going to say the Gophers will beat the Badgers by 14-plus. I think P.J. Woo! will have the guys fired up and treat this literally like a Super Bowl. And In, uh, in Wisconsin, correct? Yeah, no fans. But you bet last you. time we were there, we won. You're right. I hope that works out. I hope that's awesome. I'd even take, a, uh, I'd even take a, just a win. But, hey, that is a bold prediction by 14. Money line. Yeah, any, anytime we can beat Wisconsin, great. But if we can 
beat up on them a little bit after what they've done to us for how many years? I'm all in for that. I'll go second this time. You go second? That's my bold prediction. This is going to be another one full season, so I'll have to circle back on this. But just watching the Wolves, man, we got a lot of guys. we got a lot of players. I'm thinking the Wolves are going to be 500 or better. Wow. We're going to have a 500 record or a winning record. We will not have a losing season this year. That's a bold prediction because it hasn't happened besides the Jimmy year in a while, but that's what I'm going with. Is that uh, – um, oh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Um, oh, does that get us into the top eight then? Or is we still well, see that top, not, top, ten, top, 10, top 10 make it because of the seven through yep. seven, 10 thing. So I think we're going to 500 get us higher than that. Oh, yeah. We'll be in that in that play-in game for sure. Okay. I'll go all round it out with mine. I think after this first week of Big Ten player, first couple weeks, Gophers men's basketball are going to figure it out. Liam Robbins is starting to get into shape. And I think we will be top 25 material. Wow. I think we'll be ranked in the top 25 after the first week or two weeks in the Big Ten schedule with a tough, tough schedule. What I, love, what I love about this right now, guys, is all three of our predictions were pro-Minnesota teams doing something awesome. And that is just setting up for a big heartbreak, but I do really love that. Today we have a special guest here to talk about the Timberwolves. His name is Jordan Cressa. Welcome, Jordan. Welcome, buddy. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. I'm an avid listener of the Try Again podcast. Been listening for, you know, I, I listened to the originals way back in the day. So, uh, loyal friends, a lot of respect for, for you guys and your takes and um, doing some good things. So, it's an honor to be on. Awesome. Well, we're going to get your takes and... You know, if you screw up, we'll have you back on next week, and you can go ahead and try again, you know. But just a little bit about Jordan here. Um, big basketball fan, big Timberwolves fan. Also, like Dylan and like Taylor, both of those two are basketball coaches. Jordan himself is a basketball coach. He started his career coaching out at Fargo South, coaching the 10th graders. Then he moved on, and he was a student assistant at MSUM in Moorhead, and that's a team in the NSIC. Came over, he's working now in Wadena Deer Creek, started out coaching the junior high boys, and now is the head coach of the Wadena Deer Creek girls basketball team. So, Jordan, quick question. You ready for the upcoming season? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I've been itching to go, you know, for a while now. Uh, you know, the season just keeps getting extended and extended. Um, that's kind of out of our hands, though. Can't control those things. And um, definitely excited, definitely ready to, to get the balls rolling and, um, and get out on the, the hard court for sure. Yeah, I bet. And I bet you, Taylor, you're ready too. And Dylan, you as well. But let's get going on the Wolves here. We had real Timberwolves basketball. So we've been talking for the last how many months, you know, just being excited for the team, excited for the season. And what we got, we finally got to watch them play a little bit. They ended up losing by two. It was a preseason game, so not a huge deal. But we got to see the team play for real. So what do you guys think? Taylor, what were your first reactions off of Saturday night? Well, right away, I was just – they haven't played in nine months, so I was just absolutely pumped for a preseason game, and I I could not believe that it was finally here. Uh, the first thing I noticed was our defense, and there's just sometimes I was watching, I'm like, are we ever going to stop someone? Like, John right. Bryant could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. Like, Cat, we're doing that drop coverage, and Cat's just waiting in the paint, and he just pull it for mid-ranges all day. 
But, um, yeah, and then the rebounding aspect, I don't know how that's going to go. But Yeah, for me, I guess my first thing, and I was actually watching some of this this game with Jordan. For me, when, when D'Angelo Russell hit that first just teardrop three from the wing, the first thing that I thought about was how nice is it? You know, we've talked about this already, but how nice is it to have a point guard or a guard that can just score and get buckets? Like, it's absolutely awesome just for – the shot clock's going down or something's not going right, he can heat up and he can change a game just like that. So my biggest takeaway right away was that having a guy like D'Lo is, is awesome. Can't wait to watch him for real. Yeah, one of the first things I saw too, guys, um, were uh, when we go back to Rubio, first things that I kind of noticed when he got back on the court, he just pushes the tempo so much more, which I think that's how Ryan wants to play. When you watch D'Lo, he has a tendency just to, to – mosey his way up the court kind of nonchalantly in a sense you know that's just how he moves he's not over the top athletic over the top fast so that's just kind of how he plays which is great but when you bring a guy in like rubio to play next to him now that's going to push him push the tempo we're going to get more in transition push the pace and uh going to get a lot more transition shots up like you want maybe more rhythm shots instead of just uh slowly playing let everybody set up and we'll get steal more possessions that way maybe by speeding the game up hopefully with we have a bunch of dudes that are all kind of trying to find a spot in the rotation or trying to find, you know, their niche or their role. So, I mean, pushing the pace and doing a few different things is going to help certain guys out more than others too. So. Yeah. And, and I was surprised with Jake Lehman getting the start at the four and I was really impressed with what he did. I think he ended up in double digit points, but you need players that don't need the basketball to be successful. And he's so good at cutting and all that. And, and then Wancho just looked absolutely terrible, I thought. I don't know about you guys, if you noticed any of that. Yeah, so just kind of my initial response from the game, you know, obviously it's preseason. You can't put a whole lot of stock into the preseason. They haven't played for many, many months. But um, I think like what Dylan was saying, Rubio just makes us, I think, infinitely better. Um, just anytime he's on the court, like you said, pushing the pace, um, just making things happen, being creative and, and making plays. Um, and then I'd also say, yeah, our, our defense is once again, horrendous, um, you know, going off of what Taylor was saying, John Morant could literally do whatever he wanted, you know, um, with the drop coverage on the pick and roll jaws, getting into the paint literally on every single possession and making plays. And I think that's a, that's a big no, no, that's, it's happened in the past. It happened with D'Lo against the Wolves last year when he just went off. Like, I, I just feel like we gotta, we got to change some things up sometimes when um, guys are heating up, you know, maybe hedge that screen a little bit and make them get rid of the ball. Um, but, yeah, I thought defensively we, we struggled. Um, uh, I thought Jake Lehman did some good things. Um, you know, he's just a smart player, smart cutter. And then Okogi, he drives me nuts sometimes, man. He, he is just a, a terrible, terrible – decision maker he's always leaving leaving his feet um making these jump passes you know he brings energy but um that's one thing i wish um would change and, and improve is okogi's decision making yeah i could vouch for for that exact point we were watching the game like i said and okogi i think he got a rebound or maybe he got an outlet pass but as soon as he crossed half court okogi was just pounding that basketball flying down the court and Jordan's like, Oh God. And two seconds later, I don't know if he had a horrible pass or he dribbled off his leg, but the ball went out of bounds under the hoop. And it was just that exact point. So 
You're right. He does bring energy. I think that's why he started because one thing they talked about on the on the uh, Jim Pete was talking about um, in another podcast we all listened to. Shout out to Dane Moore. I think we all listened to him. But he was saying how Kogi is – he's probably going to get those minutes right away because although he has his faults on offense, he can do things on defense that DeAndre Russell can't. And he's doing things, you know, guarding other point guards until Ricky Rubio gets into the game. But I just had to go and, you know, solidify what he was saying about Kogi because that exact thing happened a couple times. Like uh, um, Culver, too. That's probably going to be his saving grace to being able to guard the point guard, hopefully, and keep guys like that out of the paint because – Obviously, we know D'Lo is not going to be able to do that. And in the Western Western uh, Conference, if we have every night, night in, night out, point guards just gashing our defense to the middle of the court every night, it's going to be a long season again, just from that standpoint. Yeah, and you you brought up Culver, and then you guys are talking to Koji. I just don't see a scenario where you can have both of them on the floor at the same time. They're just no. – they're both absolutely broke and – I think it'll be good because they're kind of getting that defensive role. Hey, go guard the best player so you can just switch off. But we're uh, a couple minutes in here, and we haven't even mentioned the number one pick. Anthony Edwards, right. just 19 years old. Looked a little, I think, nervous. I know there wasn't fans or anything, but a little nervous, I thought. First jump shot, a little air ball. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, Kobe Bryant's first ever jump shot was an air ball. So if he can replicate Kobe Bryant's career, I think – That'd be nice for us. But <laughs> carry on. Yeah, exactly. That'll be something. But uh, little things I noticed is like, I know I can't do it because that's just a lazy comparison is Andrew Wiggins, but like his defensive effort, I thought, <laughs> just off ball, just staring, losing his guys on cuts, trying to fight through screens is pretty bad. But he is, I just got to keep reminding myself, he is 19 years old and uh, he'll get there. He's because his whole life, he's been the guy on offense as well. Like he's never had to stand in a corner, learn how to cut. So it'll be learning for him. Good year to do it. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of judgments made this year. Obviously, number one pick from anyone, but especially Minnesota fans. But just slow a little bit on that because he hasn't played since March. Like you said, he's in a whole different system now, playing with, with dudes who can score. But, like, one thing that you say with Wiggins is all the passionate thing. That's what kind of their one thing that all, everyone always talked about was how much does he love basketball. And you have to love basketball to want to play good defense. Um and so if that comes into factor in the next handful of months or years, whatever, um, I think that could always be a question. That's what we always saw in Wiggins, too. So it's kind of a scary comparison. I don't want to make that comparison, but it's definitely a, a real possibility. Yeah, just just going off what you guys are saying uh, with Edwards, uh, like like you guys said, you know, just a little bit tentative out there, I think, a little bit nervous, um, which is understandable. Um and just a little bit rusty. Everybody was, but um, I feel like he needs to have that role where he needs to be attacking the rim and going to the line um, or dunking on people because in just last night's game, how many times did we just get swatted? Like it seemed like, <laughs> like five, 10 times we were just getting, uh, getting blocked and we're just so, so finesse. I feel like, I don't know with D'Lo, um, Wancho, um, you know, Laban can dunk on people sometimes, but Cat's kind of finesse. Um, Rubio doesn't finish super well. I think Edwards needs to have that role of of letting it fly um, and being aggressive and, and taking it at people and, and drawing fouls and, and putting pressure on the defense and um, not necessarily always um, settling for that jumper, but getting to the rim. So – 
I think those teams that got to play in the bubble have such a huge advantage. Like Memphis starters looked like they knew what was going on. They were a little more consistent in their offense and whatnot. And you can tell we haven't played basketball since, what was it, March? So I'm just curious of how – because everyone that wasn't in the bubble, you were a bad team already. There's a reason you weren't in the bubble. So I think that just puts us a step back. Yeah, I agree. Andy, you know, the Timberwolves had that small little bubble, what, a month ago, month and a half ago? But, again, basically the people in that bubble were our bench players or not our, you know, guys we're relying on. I don't think – well, Cat wasn't there. Um, not sure if D'Lo was there or if he was there, if he was playing all the five-on-five five stuff. But we definitely looked like we have not played basketball in a long time. And back on the point on, um, you know, our, our Ant-Man – as Dylan said, he hasn't played basketball in forever, and he was drafted, what, three and a half, four weeks ago? Didn't get a real training camp, didn't get a summer league, didn't get anything. He's basically just thrown into the fire. So I think you can kind of take this as, in the words of, you know, P.J. Fleck, this could be year zero for the Ant-Man, where it's going to take him a long time to get accustomed to playing with NBA speed and NBA players. And don't fall for the Bleacher Report tweets with the LaMelo ball behind the back pass, between the legs pass. Yeah, he had five rebounds rebounds three assists and he didn't score so don't fall for those videos out there ant will be just fine agree um let's i want to get in a plug real quick for my one of my favorite players in the nba um we had a an absolute hero back at target center on saturday goes by the name of ty jones and you know one of the biggest guys gorgie (laughs) gorgie was big big getting him back but ty jones being back god what a steady player the guy just comes in he does his job runs the offense and if you look at you know, one of the best stats. That's out an overrated plus stat, minus. Kyle. Tyus Jones just comes back, and he's he's a plus 14. And for, you, for those of you out there who don't know what plus minus means, it means the points, the total scored, you know, when you are in the game um, at the time. So Tyus is a plus 14, meaning he impacted the game by 14 points. And I know Dylan doesn't think that that's it's overrated. Stat, but it's real. If you're, on overrated. The, if you're on the court and your team scores, I think that's a great stat. And Tyus Jones, you're the man. just want to get that plug in for you. Woohoo! MOP <laughs> man of tournament. I got a question for you guys. He was at one point. Uh, Jalen Noel. Any shot he makes a roster, maybe it could be that cheap Beasley down the road and get off that contract. I, is it is it an opportunity there? He's twenty two years old now. He's a little older. Is that a chance? I, well, I'll just read off real quick. Real quick, I'll read off. He had twenty two points, just so the people know. He also had zero assists, so they were calling him the third point guard of the team Without right now. Jordan McLaughlin, we don't have a third yeah. point guard. And, correct, and he came in. He had twenty-two points, twenty being in the fourth quarter. But he also had zero assists. So, you know, what are you I'm, thinking, people Taylor? People forget that he was the Pac-12 Player of the Year a couple of years ago, and out of Washington, and he played G League quite a bit last year, and he shot forty-four percent from three. And it kind of like, is he a better player than Culver? Like do we have the balls to maybe play him over Culver? Like, I don't think we do just because kind of invested, but I think the dude can stroke. Like he has a good shot for him and he doesn't have a weird clutch like Culver. Yeah. And the thing we're playing, you know, we want to shoot the ball. We want to get off, get off shots quick. So I think he does hold some value to our team, but the point with Culver, I think we got to play Culver because if we have all these guys muddled and all these guys who are trying to get minutes, you got to play Culver to try and show him off a little bit so we can get something back for him if we end up, you know, oh, exactly. And that's where we're lacking the most right now is defensively, which that's where he gives us the most. So you got to kind of play that too. But it's just an interesting question that a, a guy that maybe could emerge as a, a cheap option down the road or something. 
for sure. Yeah, it's like three years, yep. two million, so cheap contract. Yeah, for sure. Well, the Wolves play again here tomorrow, um, or on Monday, I should say, and they play the Grizzlies again with this COVID schedule. They're going to play some teams a couple times in a row. So another game with the Grizzlies, and then they have one more preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks before they open up against the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday, December 23rd. So we can hold off on our T-Wolves predictions until next Sunday's episode where they'll be closer to a regular game. We can make some predictions. But any last thoughts, guys, on the T-Wolves before we move on to our our next segment? So so one thing I noticed in last night's game, um, and it's just one of those little things, is uh, a lot of our guys are, are talking to each other on the court. They're talking to each other, you know, off the court. Rubio um, took somebody, I can't remember who it was, took somebody aside um, and was guy. It might've been, might've been Edwards or something, but um, I just see a camaraderie with this group, um, with this group of guys that I think will take them a long ways. You know, um, it's just one of those little things. Cat was talking to Edwards a little bit there. And, and hopefully we can continue to see some of that leadership um, with this, with this team. And I think some of our younger guys, it, you know, goes both ways. Not only do you need leadership, but you need guys that are willing to listen to those older guys. And I think we got some of those guys that will listen um, and, and take things to heart and continue to improve. Um, I just see um, a group that can, you know, hopefully continue to improve in that regard. Yeah, I think there's a better chance of buy-in as a group, you know, like you were saying. Um, for Saunders, Rosas, and just the whole organization, you know, if you get guys to buy in, they'll finally kind of get a roster set where we want to be. That's going to translate into more wins, too, just itself being the culture and, and the buy-in we have there. So that'll be nice um, with our star players. They don't have the biggest ego. They don't have a, a selfish mentality, really. Um, so it's kind of fun to see this, yes. So that was a good summaration, yeah. Spoken like uh, true basketball coaches right there. Love it. All right, moving on to our next, well, actually our first segment. You know, our first two episodes this year have kind of been recaps and just chatting about the Wolves and Vikings. So we're going to go into a segment here. And our first segment is going to be a snake draft. And it's going to be the top four things to do during Christmas break as a kid. So what we're going to do here is we're going to have a snake draft, which means Jordan's going to start. We're going to move into Dylan, myself, and then Taylor. And then Taylor's going to get another pick. We're going to go back through with myself and Dylan and back to Jordan. So, again, we're doing a snake draft on the top four things to do during Christmas break as a kid. So we're talking kid through probably senior year of high school. So with that, Jordan. First pick here, a lot of pressure. But, you know, just thinking back to my childhood, um, well, mainly my high school years, Christmas break meant – Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2 with the boys. Oh, what a pick. You bet. That was my <laughs> top. Oh, so, yeah. So That's a good pick. Obviously, I played basketball growing up, and we would have our basketball practices throughout winter break. Um, but really, that was a secondary thing to Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2. We would have our practice, <laughs> and we would literally be itching to go play modern warfare too you know we'd be talking about it throughout practice you would sprint home and like the first six guys on would be on the squad if you weren't on you were out so modern warfare too i just want to say out of you other three or me and you other two i guess how many of you had that on the list i know i did 
Honestly, it's the greatest game ever made. Bill. Honestly, I did not. I mean, it played some with a buddy or two, but not quite to the extent uh, of you guys. <laughs> All right, hold on. Harrier, chopper gunner, nuke. Every time. <laughs> there you go. All right, Dill, you I'll got go way back to uh, in the elementary days, maybe, yeah, maybe middle school. But going to your buddies, bunch of guys, and seeing what their dad could push up with the loader or the or the blower into a big pile and – See how they get pulled behind the four-wheeler or the snowmobile as fast as you could. Try to get up on the hill or whatever. But, yeah, that's kind of one of our biggest things is when we were younger is going over to a buddy's for a weekend or getting dropped off by the parents or whatever and, and uh, riding four-wheeler, snowmobile, and, and being pulled on sleds behind and see what kind of crazy shit we could do. Yeah, that's good. Sounds like a fun time for sure. Um, my first overall pick, and I'm kind of thinking more so in the – fifth sixth seventh grade range before you were playing those varsity sports or varsity basketball in the winter my favorite thing was you know my dad had keys to the school you know he's a coach and everything so we'd go up to the school on a random day during break because nobody was up in school and we would just play basketball from 9 a.m to like 6 p.m you know just the younger age we got up there we got buckets we went up and down thought we were great probably only about 10 points scored in those six hours but just going up there and having no rules, no nothing, just playing basketball. So that's my number one pick. Love it. All right, my number one pick, I'm going to go with sleep. When I was in high school and you wake up, you realize, oh, I got to get ready for school. And you realize there's no school. God, nothing yeah. better than going back to sleep till about 10, noon, noon 30 maybe. That Yeah, that's <laughs> by far my number one. Uh, number two, I'm just going to go with uh, – we got into a little sledding and snowboarding on a hill here in Hancock. We were terrible at it. We'd go there, spend hours, fall a bunch, and yeah. Thank you, Kyle. There you go. Uh, my number two pick is kind of with the, the Xbox PlayStation theme was I would always start a, start a my player on NCAA, and you'd try to win the Heisman with them, and then you would import that Heisman winner onto Madden when they had the import from NCAA to Madden. So playing myself and just sitting there hours playing in the dark, drinking Mountain Dew, nothing better. <laughs> so my turn again. So I'm going to kind of piggyback off Kyle's, not stealing it by any means or using it. But ours was kind of – I'd always have to drive to a gym, you know, eight, ten miles into a small gym in Milan. And uh, so always the alumni or, like, older people would be back that maybe were – didn't play basketball in college, but they were good athletes or whatever. And we'd always be at Tuesday afternoon that you had off and maybe we didn't have practice yet, or I wasn't old enough or I maybe was playing with the older guys. And uh, we get in there and we have to drive through a snowstorm to get to the gym and then just hoping we can make it back home. My sister and I or whoever. Um, so yeah, just getting together with all the older guys thinking you're playing with, you know, you're cool playing on all the older guys and trying to hold your own against them. And when you didn't have the high school or the school ball stuff and, it was older guys and some guys, maybe not your age, but a little bit older in the high school, but then all the college kids or, or whatever. So you kind of all got together. And it, this was kind of a big deal in a small town, and everyone had a drive to it. And there was always a snowstorm during it. So kind of um, battling the elements to just play a little basketball with and to compete a little bit. So kind of on the same lines, but a little bit different. All right. My number two pick, I can definitely identify with that, Dylan, but – uh, nerd alert here, you know, kind of a gamer, you know, growing up, did other things as well. But uh, my one, two, 
So we got COD Modern Warfare 2. And then second, we got Halo 3 with the boys. Halo 3 with the boys was more of a, a middle school <laughs> uh, game. We played like, I think it was like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I, I'm not really sure the, the specific grades, but Halo 3, lots of nights staying up till 3 a.m. Mom getting mad at me the next day for staying up too late. And um, dad getting mad at me for staying up too late and, and not being ready for practice. But uh, no, Halo 3 with the boys. Um, we would create all these different maps and games on uh, on Foundry. I don't know if you you guys play Halo 3. Oh, yeah. big time. I wasn't the big gamer nerds like you guys. <laughs> so, so on Foundry – I didn't. Um, you could create your own Halo. maps and create your own game. So, yeah, Halo Three. You're back. You're back to back. That's all. Snake. Oh, up. there we go. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, my next pick, um, kind of a you know iconic, you know Christmas break event for myself was the Worthington. Uh, Christmas tournament for our varsity boys basketball team, Worthington, like four hours, you know, Southwest, um, big, long bus ride. I was always a, a water boy growing up. So I'd go with um, the varsity teams and I'd, I'd play in that tournament too when I was on varsity, but so many memories uh, from that trip. Played a lot of cards, played a lot of in between, a lot of poker. Um, love doing that. Love playing ball. And also, little shout out to Morris here. Um, every trip we'd stop at day toys in Morris. And day toys. D toys. Spectacular. <laughs> every single time. Loved it. Hopefully you got the skillet there. Uh, I think it was just the basic eggs, bacon and, and hash browns or something like that. But Great, yeah. great yeah. Sunday morning Paul, brunch. Paul Gross special. Tremendous <laughs> 12. <laughs> Taylor, get ready to order a bunch of those. Sounds good. I'm up again. I dug I'm back up. I'm going to be sappy. I'm going to go with just getting together yep. with friends and family um, outside of the school. Uh, I have one side of my family is always live farther away at the fly-in and different stuff, so we never got to see them a whole lot. So the chance we did over – um, over the holidays, it was always fun to get to see how much everyone has changed a little bit because maybe it had been a year, sometimes longer. So I'm going to go with seeing friends and family. nothing better than that still to this day. You bet. Um, my third pick, I'm going to go with something you can't really do during school because in the winter, you know, you'd get up, go to school, you'd have basketball practice, and it'd be dark by the time you got done. So I'm going to say Christmas break. We had a couple snowmobiles growing up, so we'd go snowmobiling you know, for hours, not even just pulling sleds behind it, just hopping on the snowmobile, riding different towns, riding on trails around the area. So snowmobiling. All right. With my third pick, I'm going to go shenanigans with the siblings. I have an older brother, older sister. They'd be back for college or they'd be in high school. And I just remember we just played the stupidest games. The parents would be gone at work and just get competitive. Like we have a three-story house, sick brag. I know. Um, <laughs> start like the third floor and then there'll be like a minute on the microwave on the basement and someone yells go and you got to like go through obstacles go down the stairs brother tries tackling you and you got to hit stop before the buzzer goes off and just crap like that was a blast uh and then next pick i'm just gonna go i wanted mw2 and halo 3 but i'll settle for uh 
FIFA World Cup, my uh, friends and I, we got into soccer. Like, I think it was the 2010 World Cup, and we just got way into it. We go out to the dairy and play soccer on their fields, and yeah. Can, can I break FIFA in here World for a Cup. minute? Yeah. Because we're talking about soccer. How about the loons from the other day? They let's, hear, let's, hear your, let's hear your take, Taylor. A big soccer guy, you know, we were up, I don't even know, two goals, and we blew it within eight minutes left. It was just classic Minnesota sports. It was almost uh, impossible to lose that game, from what I know from soccer. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, almost like blowing a three-win lead in the finals. But my next pick, my fourth pick, um, you know, I didn't pick this right away because I knew you guys wouldn't take it because you didn't do it probably. Exactly like this, but we would always go down to Hayfield, my family, about four hours um, away from where we lived, and we would always go to a movie with my cousins and any any other family members, my brothers, parents, aunts and uncles, grandparents, whoever. We'd go to the movies in Rochester, watch whatever movie was big during Christmas that year, and it's always a good time. So going to the All right, fourth and final pick. Started out with Mirror the Steer. He used to play us at buddies' places, and then they had cattle and whatnot, so that's kind of how we got our name. And it's basically just everyone for themselves in the backyard playing football. I guess it really didn't matter uh, back in the day if it was under Friday night lights or the middle of winter and zero degrees out. We were uh, playing football and um, playing on hay bales or forts and um, snowball fights and stuff like that. So I guess that's how I found out my, my top four for our first ever um, snake draft. So. And then I guess rounding out my top four, you know, Dylan kind of said this um, with the second pick, but uh, just our, our noon ball that we would have at our community center, that was a big, like, integral part of our Christmas break. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they'd have noon ball at the community center. And so, you know, all of us guys, whether we were, you know, young or, um, you know, high school age or, you know, post-high school we go to the community center, um, hoop it up. Usually, like, you'd have two courts going, and it's, like, super competitive, and everybody's trying to win, actually. Um, but, yeah, I would say say that noon ball, and then usually afterwards we would, you know, go to our, our Chinese place and uh, and scrounge down some, some Jin Hu. Oof. So, uh, yeah, that's my number four. Sounds like a pretty good time. Well, hey. That was a good first uh, first snake draft. Top four things to do during Christmas break as a kid. Sounds like a lot of fun with things that were uh, had. So. Hey, let us know who has the best top four as well. Text us. Let us know. Well, I'll post this on our Twitter account. Got that thing activated. So after we get done here, I'll go to the Twitter account, and I will post each person. We'll have a little poll here of who wins. Uh, Jordan, Dylan, Kyle, or Taylor. And if you want to follow our Twitter account, it is at tryagain underscore pod. Again, we're on Twitter at tryagain underscore pod. Well, Jordan, thanks for joining us today. Talk a little wolves, b-ball. Talk a little bit about things we did as a kid. Uh, we'll definitely have you on again very soon. Um, anything else? I'd just like, like to say, say thanks for having anybody else having here? me, boys. Um, it's been an honor. Love listening to the to the pod. So um, to be actually on it, it's pretty cool. So thank you. Appreciate it, man. It was fun. It's fun to see you. Fun to hear from you. you
Thanks for listening with us today on the Try Again Pod. Hope to have you back next week. We give it our best shot, and we'll try again. <laughs>